What is going on, guys? My name is Talon, and this is my good buddy, Jason, and welcome to another week of Dad Debate. This week um, is kind of a special one because I know that The Hills is getting a lot of promotion. The show is coming back. And Jason, I know that usually we talk all things dad and parenting, but uh, with The Hills coming back, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will want to you know, just kind of get a little teaser, a little taste of what's to come on the new season. Yeah, no, uh, this season is going to be, I would say, probably one of the best seasons that I've ever been associated with. Uh, there's a lot of drama. Uh, there's a lot of rawness. There's a lot of transparency, a lot of, a lot of you know, good conversations. And I, uh, I'm excited for it to come out. I think the, the fans are really going to like it. Awesome. Well, I know I'm excited. I, uh, you know, as, as even though we're good friends, you know, there's just certain things that you don't get to know or see until you uh, watch the show. So we'll we'll uh, we'll give little updates here and there. We can uh, before we start the the conversation on dad debate, we can give people a little updates. That, that'd be great. That'd be great. There's actually a lot of uh, there's a lot of you know a lot of people on the show are parents have kids and and so I think there's you know there's there's some correlation with it. But uh, enough of the hills. We'll get back to that. But I just want to jump back in as last week we were talking about you know. Uh, around money, money and happiness. You know, we were talking about that research we were going to pull up and there's actually, there's a few different articles, but this one on Inc.com, uh, you know, talks about for the U.S., it is, it's no different. A person making 120000 up to 200000 is likely to report more, uh, more happiness with their lives than the person pulling in 40000 The research found that optimal income for life satisfaction in North America is 105000 per year. If your income exceeds that amount, it has been found that whatever you make beyond that level is not associated with greater life satisfaction. In fact, it reduces life satisfaction. The last thing on it, the 105,000 income cutoff uh, is what they call a, a stationary point. A person point in 250,000 is no happier or satisfied with his or her life than a person making 110,000. So it seems like the threshold, again, going back to we're talking about income and money, uh, what I'm seeing here is it looks like 105,000 uh, is really kind of the cutoff point. Once you hit that, you're able to, you know, to live a pretty prosperous, flourishing life. Um, it's just interesting. I know we were talking about that, but I don't know if you had any thoughts on it. Yeah, I think that uh, money is always a tough thing, right? Um, I think I'm I'm definitely doing really well when it comes to finances this year more than I have in in a lot of other years. But I think what I'm what I kind of take away from it is it's less time with my family. Like, yes, we're going to be able to get a bigger, nicer house. Yes, we can get, you know, nicer things or going on vacations. But my my quality time, my focus on self has just declined a lot. So you kind of have to sacrifice one more than the other. Like I always get in this conversation with my, my father-in-law, right? So he does concrete uh, flat work. Right. And he'll get offered to do like, airports or really big jobs and he turns them down and I'm like, dude, you're turning down millions of dollars to do these other jobs. He's like, well, I'd have to hire more crews. I'd have to have more of a headache. I'd have less. It would be really difficult to manage in terms of his lifestyle. Now, like he makes good money with one crew, just focusing on residential properties and just doing like two or three a day. And it's not that it's, it's simple. 
Cause it's not, but it's, it's that it's easier to manage. And he knows like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to be like pulling late nights. I'm not going to be like stressing out over like managing crews and dealing with the client and the crew's not doing good and then covering their ground. And yeah, man. I used to not understand that. And now I, I'm starting to understand that. Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, and again, as we, this all came up because of Cedric's conversation and, and talking about that. And again, his success is phenomenal, but you know, and I think we've gone back and forth with that growing up with families that have had success and you know, it's, 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 are you allowing that to dictate your life? And is it, you know, is that where your true happiness comes from? I've experienced success at a young age and I've also, you know, been on the flip side, but I think it's, it comes down to a balance of it. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, before we jump into this week's, I want to touch on one other thing. So last week we had a challenge, which was 21 days of me doing my five minute journal in the morning. Now yeah. I, I, I have failed tremendously at this. I haven't opened it once, but <laughs> I can, I can say that some, some strides have happened. So I am the kind of guy that usually goes all or nothing. Right. So I'll go a hundred percent, like I'll go to the gym two hours a day, six days a week, and then I'll get in great shape in three months. And then I burn out. Right. And then I go back to like zero. And then I, I do that for like three months and then I go back to going a hundred percent. So I think I kind of got subconsciously scared of like forcing myself into a challenge that might've been unrealistic. And I know it sounds crazy. Like everyone should have time to open a book for five minutes in the morning, but like, I don't know. Sometimes I work late and I get up and I'm like, the first thing I hear is a crying baby and I'm like, I'm up and I'm moving. But what I have done is this. My new thing is in my calendar. It's just Talon to sit down, eat breakfast and watch like TV. And I know that sounds so stupid. Like everyone's like, I always wake up and I always eat breakfast and I always, you know, sit down and eat lunch. Right. But like, for me, I like, my mind is racing so fast that I'll forget to like eat breakfast and, or I'll forget to eat lunch. I'll just like grab like a snack from the fridge and just kind of like eat while I'm working, but it's not like substantial. It's not healthy. It's not like it's whatever's the most convenient. Some days it is sort of healthy. And some days it's like a bag of chips. And I'm like, holy shit. I just went like the whole day, not eating (laughs) anything, but like a protein shake and a bag of chips. Like that's crazy. Right. So I will say, like I said, is that in the mornings I wake up now and I, I eat a bowl of oatmeal generally with some fruit and watch like the food network. And it's, it's been really nice. It's been really nice to give myself even that 20 minutes of time. I think, I think that's a really important important point though, real quick. Just on that is, I I used to be just like you. Let's go 100%. Let's go into it. And then what you do is you set this false expectation of yourself. And then when you don't do it, you just don't do it at all. And it's like that mentality of like, you know, if you don't go to the gym at all, let's start with just by putting your shoes by the front door, you know, and you adjust it and you adapt and you do have a new kid. You know, you have, uh, you have your obviously Bronson, you have your wife uh, and it's not realistic right now. And that's again, is, is, the whole point of molding and, and creating that ideal 24 hours that we were talking about is, is doing something that works for you. And again, is, is that was it's at this time, it's too much, but you, you pivoted, you made an adjustment and you're still doing something for yourself, which I think is the takeaway. And then again, that's where you build off of it. That's exactly what, that's exactly the purpose of this is to set realistic expectations. So you can actually come, these aren't supposed to be 
you know, hindering to your life. These are supposed to be beneficial. So I think that's something that is very important for anybody that's listening that's trying to create that ideal 24. Uh, you know, make sure you do that. Like for me, with the phone thing, dude, I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. I didn't went all seven days. It's It's been phenomenal. If anybody has uh, been on phone overload or technology overload, this this point of like for me, it was turning off my phone at seven o'clock uh, and it goes into silent mode and staying off of it so I can be present for my family. Uh, it's It's been phenomenal. So uh, I'll keep going for the 21 days on that. We'll keep checking back in with you on your uh Breakfast and a little TV. Yeah, yeah, I think so, man. And I think the last thing I want to add to that is uh, the really, the really big thing I take away from it is find something that you do for yourself to better your mental game to start your day on the right foot. If that's five minute journal, if that's reading scripture, if that's just putting on a, uh, you know, for me, it's it's eating breakfast. I know it sounds so crazy, but for me, it's eating breakfast and taking 20 minutes to myself, then that's what you need to do. Um, okay. So today, today's episode is, is, is one that I think is, is kind of controversial and it's something that I think a lot of parents argue about and, and, and what it is, is this idea that parental traits are passed down to our children. Now I'm not talking about things like you know, obviously like certain things you do are going to be passed down to your children. Like maybe the way you say certain words or like, you know, the way you act certain times I'm talking more about mental, mental health issues being passed down to your children, like OCD anxiety. Cause as someone who struggles from OCD and anxiety, I am terrified for my children to suffer from these ailments that I do. Right. And so I'm going to let you go first. And I think this might actually be a debate. Our first like legit debate jump into it, Jason. So do you think you obviously suffer from some OCD and you suffer from, you know, some different ailments are, are obviously you're concerned your, your kids are going to have it, but do you feel yeah, well, look. Do you I think mean, how do, do you think it's passed down, or or if it is, how do you think it's passed down, and how do we stop it from? How do we stop the line? Right, like at what point does it stop? Right. I mean, that's the, generationally. The million, that's a million dollar question, right there. I mean, there's there's scientific evidence behind, uh, especially addiction. You know, that's something that I struggle with, which ties into OCD, which ties into you know, there's mental health components to it, but addiction. There's 20% of all people that struggle with addiction are pre-genetically disposed to it. So, I mean, Delilah has a as a as as an uh, has a chance of getting having addiction. So does my son that's going to be coming has a chance of getting an addiction. What's the it percentage? Works. What's the percentage? 20% of all people that have addiction are pre-genetically disposed to it. Interesting. Uh, okay. And and so and then you know the, a lot of the other people it's outside influence it's it's the environment uh, it's it's traumas there's histories that they go with it but again that's a whole another a whole another subject but uh, sticking on track with this is as I I've seen it firsthand I mean within my own family you know I look at how many people have struggled I mean just you, you take my grandparents and you look at the 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 amount of people that it's impacted and they struggled with addiction and and so on and so on. Uh, and you know, I look at like my brothers, you know, one of my, we all, I think all three of us have some form of anxiety. Me and my, uh, brother closest in age, both have OCD components. Um, 
you know, and I think there's a, there's a genetics to it. I mean, there's, it has to do with, again, going back in the, in time there, I'm sure there was environmental stuff. There was, you know, whatever it was, but I think it stores in your DNA. And again, I don't want to go down the road of trying to be a doctor. I'm not, uh, but this learning and study, like this being around this, knowing a lot about addiction, I think there is things that are definitely handed off. So I guess what I, my biggest thing is getting as most the the most educated of, around it that I possibly can, so I can try. If if the issues ever do come up, I'm the most well equipped on how to handle and and to deal with it. Not only not going to a doctor and doing medication, but I think it's the there's 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 things you can do to to go the other way, and it's not just not looking for that quick fix. Do you make a conscious decision to hide? your mental struggles from your daughter? Uh, that's a great, that's a very, very good question. Is like, I, is there this, is there an idea? Is there this idea of like, so there's this idea that like, if your child doesn't necessarily like, like if you don't talk with them about it at a young age or you don't expose them to it at a young age, maybe they won't suffer from it. So it's, it's all around education. I think that's one of the biggest pieces is, is doing that. And when I have, like, if I'm in a, uh, a really stressed out situation, so I'm not going to put that on there because I mean, I believe that that translates into energy that they, they, that they take and it's just, it's negative. It's about, it's, it's removing yourself from that situation as they get older. Like I'm going to be very mindful, even at this age. I mean, when we talk to Delilah about when she has tantrums and stuff, or like we have a, a moment, like Ashley and I, you know, argue with each other, like we'll pull her aside and say, mommy and daddy, ha-, you know, we had a disagreement. Like we try to explain it, um, you know, but so, I mean, it, it's, it's, again, we're mindful of what's going on, but as she gets older, we're definitely going to use those as learning opportunities because you can't have this, this fairy tale life. That's not like, that's, I think that's maybe a part of the problem is, is again, it's not exposing them to, to chaos and, and all that stuff, but, you know, realize stuff that happens, things that come up, like incorporate it. And like, there's a time and a place for it, you know, but I think everything comes down to when you're in the moment, that's, it's not going to be the best to try to, to, to just, you know, explain yourself. It's, you, you need time to remove yourself and talk about it. So I know that you said you, you weren't a doctor, but I'm just going to, I'm going to fucking jump into this conversation. Like I know every fucking thing on the planet. Okay. Because I, I just, uh, I don't know. I have, I have a strong opinion about it. So my strong opinion about it is genetically, if, if you look at OCD and anxiety, not necessarily anxiety, but OCD addiction, I can't really speak on addiction, but for my sake, OCD, I think it is genetic, right? I think it, it can run in your family's history. Like I look at some people in my life that I don't want to say their names that come before me, you know, in a couple of generations. And I think about it, I'm like, wow, they definitely had OCD, right? Like they definitely had it pretty bad. And what I think is that you have it, but some people that, that let's say like, like, that's why you see like two kids, one will, let's say not suffer from it. And one will is because me, for example, I think that I was genetically disposed to have OCD, right? Mm-hmm. But something along the lines of my life, traumatic, uh, I don't know necessarily what it was. I don't think it was like one moment. I think it was a series of small moments caused it to come out. Does that trigger. make sense? Like caused it to trigger it. Yes. Um, I, and, and I, I think like, had I not been triggered, 
I think like, yeah, I might've suffered from it, but on a much more manageable level, like I wouldn't even know, right? Like, you you know what I mean? So, so I think like, it's kind of fascinating in that sense. I, I know my wife and I, right? Like a lot of my OCD ticks are very apparent, right? Like biting my tongue, coughing. Um, I just do like, I do, or like my anxiety attacks, right? My wife's biggest concern is like doing those things in front of my son and, and him seeing what I'm doing and understanding that that's normal. So if our theory stands correct, like, Hey, Talon suffers from it genetically. My wife does, but not OCD, right? It's just anxiety. And we, it's apparent to my son that he will inherently have these, these things that I suffer from. Right. But uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a big rock to carry on your shoulders. So right? what, what, yeah. What, is, so how are you, what is your take on that when you put it? So, I mean, obviously your wife has an issue with it. Do you have an issue with it in front of your son or do you think it's, you should do it? Yeah, that's a great one. So uh, it's really hard. I don't think I should, but there's times when your anxiety is so bad that like, you don't even care like where you are, what you're doing in that moment. Like you don't care. You're just going to like your, your brain just takes over. Right. So I'm kind of this believer. I'm really torn. I'm this believer that ignorance is kind of bliss sometimes like, right. Like if you just don't really know about anxiety or OCD, you, especially at a young age, meaning under the age of like 16, you, will be less susceptible to it. But on the other hand, I know that mental health is such a big thing, right? Like I think it's kind of cool that mental health has become more talked about. It's become like a legitimate ailment, right? It's not like, it used to be like, I have anxiety. It's like, no, you're just stressed out. Chill out, bro. And it's like, no, I'm not stressed out. Like it's, it's, it's more than that. You don't, you just don't get it because you don't suffer from it. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. I think, I think on that though, I think it's a really, I did a, I did a poll on social media, you know, and I think I had like, I don't know, 13 or 15,000 people answer the question. I said, how many of you guys are, know, how many of you guys are, uh, you know, know what physical health is like physical exercise and stuff like that. And everybody obviously 94, five, 94, 95% said yes. And then I said, you know, how many of you, the know people who said no, just wanted to see the results. Yeah. Well, it's a hundred percent people now. Yeah. But long story short, then I did one on the flip. I said, how many of you know what real mental health is? You know, like in, in how to how to exercise your mind and do different things like that. It was the, it was the complete opposite. 94% didn't know what it was. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, they've heard of it. I and mean, they know what it is, but actually how to how to take care of your mental well-being, 94% of people didn't know how to do that. So I think it's a very fascinating topic to talk about. But to kind of wrap, like to kind of put this in a package. You know, what is your, what is, so what is your, your takeaway? So, I mean, I hear you and you and Danielle, you both agree that you shouldn't, um, you know, and you have those displays. I mean, so how do you, how are you going to go about this process as, as your kids get older? That is the challenge, right? It's, it's, we live in a world where anxiety is at an all time high. It's going to continue to climb. Like I know my son, when he has his iPad more, when he has his iPad for long extended periods of time his tantrums are so much worse. He's doesn't listen. These iPads, man, and these iPhones and this wealth of information, you know, my son like can't even watch a show for more than like two minutes. He like wants to watch the next one because it's like, 
attention deficit, you know, like just like, I need to watch the next one. I'm already bored. What's the next one? Right. Like sitting down and watching a movie is so hard for him. And so the point that I'm making is that like, I, it's apparent that our children are going to live in this world that anxiety is going to actually get much worse with technology, much worse. So I think the answer is to not say the word anxiety to your kids at a young age, like, oh, it's okay. You're just having anxiety, right? Like it's more about saying it's going to be okay. You're okay. Like let's, you know, just calm them down, you know, like, Hey, it's okay. Like if you think they're like having a moment or being anxious and as they get older, they start to question more stuff. You can start to have more conversations if you think that it's more serious, right? Right. But I don't know what that age is. I think this is going to be a journey and a challenge for all parents right now that have kids under the age of five um, or even 10, because this, this is the new world, man. It's look at us. We're on like, we're on the computer, like having a podcast over the internet. Like, I know that sounds really cool and it is, but with that comes attention overload, you know, just a lot of triggering type stuff. So all what it is, we're in a very fast, and, and, you know, yeah, it's fast pace. Uh, your mind has to work and that just causes, I mean, maybe our minds will adapt. Right. But I don't really, I don't really know yet. I'm navigating it. I'm, I'm torn between the idea and I know I'm all over the place on this because this is such a freaking difficult no, topic. Well, it, it, it is. And, and I don't, not sure if I mentioned this on a previous show or not, but I mean, basically the amount of data and information that we incur a day is what it took Albert Einstein to and take on his part was 48 years. I mean, so each day like that we have, I mean, the, that this think of that, um, how much information that we are thrown at us every single day, it's just totally different. And I don't think our minds are, are in a place to adapt to it. I think that's why you got suicides. That's why you have addiction at all time high. That's why you have people that are breaking out in mental health issues and, and, and deeper and, and, and more than we've ever seen before. I know this much is that we are, we are, we are people that are supposed to be connected. Like human connection is one of the biggest sayings. And the more that we steer away from that, the, the, the worse our mental health gets. I mean, that's just, that's evidence all over the place. I think the way it, to all the stuff you're saying in my perspective is I try to mitigate. And again, it's it, for me, it's, and everybody's got different circumstances. Everybody's got, you know, different careers, different works. I mean, different jobs, different, you know, just different, different setups. And I get that. And it's very multifaceted, but I think if the, the biggest thing that I've seen beneficial is the engagement, the one-on-one time, uh, no distractions, no, you know, you know, no phones, no TVs, no iPads. Like, I mean, it's the more that you can steer away from that stuff and really engage. I think that's where some of it, cause I mean, looking back when I was younger, I don't, I don't experience, I never experienced anything that these kids are in the 13, 14 years old are experiencing the stuff that they're going through. I, none of you us did. I mean, I could say that about all of our friends, like looking around this, the different things that they're going through and how they have this, this, there's so much false reality around them through social media, through all that. We didn't have those pressures. We had pressures, but in different ways that were more manageable. Yeah. That's a good point. I remember when I was, when I was younger, I, even if I suffered from anxiety, I didn't, I didn't, the pressures that come from social media from these kids like I didn't have any of that, dude. Like everyone's always like, are you bummed that there wasn't Instagram during Laguna beach when you guys filmed the show? Like, and I'm like, 
sure, like we probably could have made had a, a zillion followers by now for sure, yeah. like triple the amount. But and cool, that could like make some bank. But the reality is like I'm happy we didn't have social media because we were able to just like hang out with our buds and not like feel this pressure. We were able to isolate and escape as easy. You had, I mean, you go to the beach, you go, you know, go skate, you go, you know, you'd go, you know, play, play football, go toss. I mean, you, there was not this many ways to go escape. I mean, there's only so much TV you could watch. I mean, our phones, we played snake and that was like the, you know, the coolest <laughs> thing in the world. Like, but I mean, there was, you, you don't have these outlets where kids don't have to process anymore. And that's, I think the biggest thing of, you know, one of the biggest things that we're going to encounter is actually video game addiction is because kids nowadays are perceiving that as their reality. They cannot come out of that and, and enjoy life in a real form. That's something that we're actually up against right now in this, in the space of addiction is, is kids actually having a hard time being present because they can't not the reality of video games is much more appealing to them in their, their real life. Yeah. It's, it's kind of fascinating to see kids just want to watch kids play video games. They want to play video games. My my wife and I go back and forth on getting Bronson some sort of video game system. I know he's only going to be four this year, but like I kind of am over it. To be honest, I'm kind of over getting him a video game system. I don't want him to like just be stuck there playing video games all the freaking time. Or like I might get him video games, but they won't be like the social ones. They'd be like, like not like Call of Duty. It'd be like, you know. Get him a Game Boy, bro. Get him Tetris. Yeah. yeah. Well, they have, they make now, Nintendo makes like this box, this cube for 49 bucks. And it's preloaded with all the old school games. And you just plug it in and it's like, pow. Boom. Well, I think that's, I think this is a good topic to, you know, for people, if you guys are going through similar stuff again, is town and I had more of a discussion on this. And I I think the debate was not so much of a debate because I actually agree with you. I think people are pre-genetically disposed, but there's triggering, triggering incidences that can heighten the, the uh, thing that you are susceptible to. So I think, you know, if you guys are going through stuff, you know, let us know, comment below, uh, you know, share with us, you know, some of the experiences that you guys are going through and we can try to talk about them, but I really want to talk to a professional and maybe we can even bring on a professional next week, uh, to yes. talk about, to talk about what would be the appropriate thing to do in that circumstances. Because all I know is on my stuff with addiction and all those different things is to educate and be prepared in certain situations along the road. It's way too early right now. Um, cause I feel like our house is in a very safe structured place where, you know, she's not being exposed to chaos and triggering events that are, that would be happening in an alcoholics household, but for moving on and moving forward with you exhibiting your anxiety, exhibiting your, you know, your, the, the, the symptoms that you have that when you have anxiety, should your kid be privy to those? How do you, how do you, uh, how do you approach that situation? So I think we should bring on somebody next week to really talk about that. And I think, you know, moreover is I want to talk about next week is, is nesting uh women that nest is the it's like i have 40 bald eagles living in my house right now and and there's so much shit everywhere and i want to talk about nesting and how that impacts you know the the household what it what it really means for a woman so i think we have we may have a two-parter here but i want to bring on a professional here this is outside our scope to really maybe guide some people with uh everybody's got something you know and and to take the best route and direction on uh, how to how to deal with this stuff, especially if you if you've struggled and your family has history. What's the best way to approach it? All right, buddy. We'll have a good one, and uh, I'll see you next week. All right, love you guys. Don't forget to subscribe.